This is Tim Albright with an Aviation Special, taking a look at the SCN Hall of Fame class of 2021. And with me today uh, is a young man that I have watched and learned an awful lot from, Mr. Bill Natras from Biamp currently. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Good to be here, Tim. And congratulations on making it into the uh, SCN Hall of Fame for this class of 2021. Yeah, pretty, pretty neat honor, definitely. So. Pretty neat honor and, and a very impressive uh, cast of characters that, that are joining you. I, I want to bring up one um, because I mentioned the fact that I've learned an awful lot from you. Uh, but there's a lot of folks on this list that have also learned an awful lot from you. And I'm going to pick on, on Jeremy Caldera for a second. Um, but, not for nothing, but, but Jeremy and, and you and I are all Illinois born and bred. Um, that's either good or bad, depending on your politics and, and what you think of our current governor, um, who, by the way, has an AV connection, and we'll talk about that maybe at a later date. Um, but you have helped an awful lot of folks, and and I, I and we're going to get into you know how Bill got into the industry and all that jazz. But as you look back, and you're not done yet, right? This is not you know Bill Natras's retirement party by any swan song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You don't have a gold watch yet, um, nope. but but look back for a second, and and I want you to 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 kind of talk for a second about not just the the lives that you've touched and the careers that you've helped, but the necessity the necessity of that, and the importance of passing on the knowledge to the next generation and the generation after that. So, and yeah, you know, I think you've heard me describe this other times, but when I got into audiovisual, we were of course in in an age of transitioning from slide projectors, 16 millimeter overhead projectors into three gun CRTs and needing to be able to switch video. And then of course, you know, I, I remember the, the process, the, the very quick process we went through of going from, you know, monochrome to CGA to EGA to VGA to super VGA all within a year. Yeah. And, and, you know, you'd get the three gun CRT hung and you just finished aligning everything. And it's like, Oh, it won't work with the computers we just brought in. So you got to take it down and put it up. But at that day and age system, uh, you know, system optimization required us to modify things. It required us to open up boxes. Uh, you know, the first, the first VCRs that hit the market, there was no way to remote control them. And you were you were opening up the wired remotes and you were soldering jumpers across uh, the, the contact points and then running them to the relays that were on the you know first generation Crestron and, and AMX and York control systems to be able to operate that VCR. Where do you learn that? There's there's no there's no place to get educated on that. And you know, there was a lot of stuff at that time. You know, think, you know, SynodCon was around at that time, and, and of course, AES and their writings, and that was all audio based. And, and those, those resources were huge because understanding what was the difference between consumer level and pro level and broadcast level were, were critical. But how do you learn how to deal with gain structure? And how do you learn how to properly set an equalizer or sweep a room, things like that? All these things were what I was experiencing trying to do my job in the mid 80s, mid to late 80s. And it was people like Fred Dixon and Kim Milliken and 
uh, Ray Wadsworth and and Scott Scherer. It, you just this these group of individuals that were in on their own time teaching an entire industry how to do what it was we do. And you know, I got to know these people, and I got to know these people very well. And uh, you know, sadly just that list I gave, you know, three quarters of them are now gone, but it was always someone has to carry it forward. And, you know, yeah, some of the things I know is it, is it important to start talking about doing control circuits with Zaner diodes so you can route where the DC voltages go. No, we don't need to teach that kind of thing anymore, but knowing that that very, concept is the foundation of Boolean algebra, which is exactly how a control system works, because that's the basis of all computing. That definitely impacts what we're doing today in audiovisual. And I'm, I'm always very much focused on the fact that, look, we facilitate communication and collaboration. But you always have to remember that first and last mile is analog. My voice to the microphone is analog. The visual to my eye is analog. The sound from the speaker to my ear is analog. And it's once we get into that digital domain and what we need to do with that signal to get it somewhere and make sure it's right and all these things, that's what makes AV so special. And it becomes a passion. You, you destroy your family's belief in bar bands and going to the movie theaters because you're so frustrated by what you hear or don't hear or see or don't see. Okay. But if I can convey the reason that I have that passion and I can build that spark into someone else, I think that's a success. So Absolutely. And I, I will I'll, I'll reference a a story I've told else place. My, my first experience at the United Center uh, up in Chicago, which feels relatively close to Chicago, um, I got the opportunity to take my son to a Bulls game. Uh, I'd never been to a Bulls game in my life. This, I was in you know early early forties here. This a couple of years ago, and the experience there. If you've ever been to a Bulls game, there is there is projection mapping on the floor. There is the 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 typical Bulls. Uh, soundtrack going on that I grew up with watching Michael Jack or Michael Jackson, Michael, Michael Jordan. Um, but I was able to point out to my son after the fact, the 12 Christie projectors that were hanging from the ceiling and, and how they were able to create that. Right. So he got to experience the excitement, right. That, that, yep. that full and that, that, that feeling, but also to point out the, the science and the art behind it that made that possible. And I think you're absolutely right. Is he able, the ability to, Yes, we annoy our, our families with, you know, why is that, why are they doing that or that camera angle is off or good God, why are they using that microphone? Um, but also to kind of inspire the next generation. Yep. I want to point, I want to ask you a question though here and you, you mentioned carrying it forward, but there's also, there are points in time and you were, you were in the AV industry during one of these times and that's the tra time of transition. How important is it for, for those that have that knowledge, both the, the let's call it the archaic knowledge right the, the knowledge from the from the previous Dinosaur. generation <laughs> but 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 to be around to, to to provide translation right from the old way of doing things into the new way of doing things and, and i will reference the the digital transition that that you and i both lived through uh, roughly 10 years ago or so um but but so but but going from you know analog you know going from rgbhv right five wire to 
you know, HDMI to DVI to, you know, um, over, over category cable. How important is that for folks, you know, as, as we, you and I both, you know, get older and, and, you know, the next generation's coming up behind us, you know, how important is it for those folks to understand that you, you, you have an obligation almost to this industry to not just share your knowledge, but also to share those, those translation skills. So I'm going to hit this, I'm going to hit you with an anecdote on this. Uh, you know, yeah, I went through that transition where we had VU meters that did this and now we got VU meters that do this or they do this, you know, from, from an actual meter with a needle moving to LEDs that, that, that shifted. But, you know, really when you think about it, what is the foundation of a building? If you don't have a, a solid, robust concrete foundation that is, you know, deep enough in the earth that it's not going to be shifting due to freeze and thaw and things like that, anything you put on up above it is not going to be stable. And, you know, yeah, do, do I need to convey the knowledge of, hey, an exciter lamp is what gives you audio out of a 16 millimeter projector because it reads the audio track that's on the side of the film. Now, that's not really useful information anymore, but it's also not foundational. But understanding that the maximum I could do out of a five wire RGBHV, you know, was, you know, I can get 1080p out of that, but I can't go very far with it. And then I take it to the digital domain and I start looking at things like, well, HDMI was really meant to be a consumer standard. It became a prosumer standard, but now I'm much better off going with the 3G SDI. And it's how do you negotiate the right compromise for the solution and final outcome you need? That's where that foundational knowledge comes in. And that's what, that's why the dinosaurs, the old guard, the, the other term I hate, icons of the industry need to make sure that they teach and convey because that's how the decision sets are more appropriately applied. And I've often said, you know, the art of design is not the fact that I can put something on a piece of paper. The art of design is the fact that I'm able to identify, manage, and manipulate the assumptions to get the correct outcome. And, and that's why that foundational knowledge is so critical. All right, let's start with then how uh, you mentioned this already, but, but uh, go back to the beginning of Bill Natras. Uh, getting into the industry. How did you get behind yourself in the AV industry? Um, I would say I fell into it. Um, all everybody said that's why that, that's that is that we all do. Yes, I pushed carts around high school. In fact, I pushed carts around junior high now that I think about it. But um, I, I learned how to do audio editing by cutting and splicing quarter inch reel to reel tape, you know, grease pencil, slice tape, you know, the whole, the whole thing. In fact, uh, I even found just recently a photo of the model of Otari reel to reel that I learned how to do it on. And I, I've got it as one of the backgrounds that come up on my personal computer, just, just as a memory thing. Um, did all that in high school and it was, you know, theater and, and, 
mixing sound in the theater for the for the high school performances and um it just it was fun and it was it was cool stuff and you know here you are playing with with these toys and and i went to college and yeah oddly enough between between high school and college i did a couple years at the community college so i was working in uh you know, the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. And I started as an electrician and then that electrical contractorship went out of business. And I'm really glad that happened because it got me the job at an audiovisual contractor. And I supported the foreign language labs, serviced and, and, and you know, maintained the foreign language labs across the Midwest. And when I went to college, I had my dorm room stuff in the company van, my now wife's dorm room stuff in the company van and the foreign language lab, put everything into the right rooms, drove the van back, took my car back. And then for three days before school started, I installed the foreign language lab. Two weeks later, the university hired me to take care of the foreign language lab. So yeah, literally did fall into this. But then for all four years that, that I was at Northern Illinois, I worked in the media services department. I designed a, a 16 track recording studio, uh, all analog um, at that time, but you know, designed it and deployed it at the same time, taking care of all of the you know, various auditoria and, and, and conference spaces and things like that across the campus and got out of school went back to work at the AV integrator and, you know, went from being a cable yanker to a installer to a, you know, design engineer. And, and it, it, there was no looking back from there. Yeah. I want to talk about a, a good chunk of your career. And that was with uh, Shen Milson Wolfie. Mm -hmm. uh, SMW is, is, is one of the stalwarts uh, of the industry as far as consulting. Um, you spent a lot of time there. Um, you know, you had deep, uh, relationships with the, the, the principals, the founders. And, and again, you mentioned the fact that a number of them, uh, of our original icons have passed away. Some of them as well. Talk for a second about the, the evolution of consulting from the eighties to, to today, quite frankly. Um, because in, you know, in the seventies and eighties, it was a completely different, um, environment. It was a completely different um, um, career than it is today. Uh, and one of the folks that, that is on this list uh, that we'll interview uh, is Joey D'Angelo, who worked, worked for Ron on the, on the West Coast, and that's Salter and you know, Associates. So you've got two you know, good stalwart consulting firms. Talk for a second about that evolution of that, that particular segment of the industry. So I was at Shen just shy of 17 years. Um, and, and yes, I honor, privilege, whatever you want to call it, um, to work with and, and for Fred Shen and, uh, you know, a number of other people that, you know, either came through the Wilkie acquisition that created SM&W or, you know, and knowing Dennis Milson before his passing and, you know, all, all a lot of very, very neat things. But when I first started as a consultant, um, the first realization I had to make was the fact that if, if you took the sum of all of the projects that I had worked on in my entire career, dollar value, I was working on one project that was greater than that dollar value. Wow. And, you know, to go from 
the 10, 20, $30,000 jobs, which at that point in time, you know, we're talking, you know, 99 here, 1999, you know, those were, those were significant projects. Yeah. Then to go from that to four five, $6 million projects. And then years later, I did one of the first uh, college campuses in uh, new college campuses in Saudi Arabia that was $250 million worth of audiovisual technology. And I moved from there to the Princess Nora project in Saudi. That was three quarters of a billion dollars worth of AV technology. Now, the progression, what changed? Um, we have to manage and mitigate signals. We have to move signals around. That's, you know, what highway are we putting them on? Things like that. We've always had to deal with that. The evolution that's occurred is what was contained in the room and went through a switch now could potentially hit an, you know, analog to digital conversion and be put onto a network and, and be then switched through all of that. And whether it was, you know, the early days of video conferencing where we were using the PSTN to get those signals where they needed to go, it's all still the same concept. It's just the highway changed. But trying to keep up with all of it. I look at when I was a, uh, an integrator, it was hard enough just to keep up with the products that we sold. Yeah. Now as a consultant, you have to you know, remain impartial. You got to look at everything and you're trying to keep up with every single product that's out there. And, you know, I really know, audio, uh, I really know video. I really know control. I really know the product project management side of it, but oddly enough, if I were to take the disciplines that we have within AV, I would say that audio is my least skilled area. Okay. And look at who I work for now. Whoop, wrong yeah. way. Okay. You know, I, I work for an audio company. Um, well, and, and you and I can, can, can differ on that because I would, I would argue the fact that Biamp has slowly been surely becoming more than just an audio company. Right. Uh, for a number of years, they've had control in their in their processors and they're evolving through both you know, product development as well as acquisitions. Yeah. And, and we're a media management company. Yeah. That's really the way to look at it now. And, and exactly what I'm describing here is, is what's evolved, what's changed, what happened in my career as a consultant? Well, we still had to manage media. It's just the vehicles, highways and tools we used to do it were what evolved. And then procurement strategies changed. And, you know, very often on, on the design, engineering, and installation side, we don't think about the business aspect of contracting and integration. Well, procurement strategies definitely changed. And, and you know, we, we, we hear things like, uh, you know, the race to the bottom and, and shrinking margins and things like that. But we also had things like the integrated project delivery methodology that came out and, and the, the three P's that you get or P3 people say it different ways, you know, public private partnership where, you know, money's thrown into a pot and everybody's got skin in the game. Yeah. All of these things evolved while I was a consultant and, you know, in, in one meeting, you're just advisory too because you're representing the client. In the next meeting, you've got a financial stake. So it it, it can be very interesting. And, and I appreciate the evolution that's occurred. Do I think that there are shrinking margins? Yep, if you're going to continue to maintain that business model that's there. Because margins are shrinking, it means your business model needs to adapt 
to create that opportunity for other margins to come in, you know, other yeah. inputs to come back in. Yeah, I like that. Um, as we wrap up here, take a look and, and you know, uh, we, we've talked about the evolution. We talked about the, the changes, both, you know, analog and digital is what is the, the signals, but also, you know, in the business standpoint. Um, I, because of this year uh, and because of, of, you know, the pandemic, I have stopped asking people for five or 10 years because I've learned that that's a, a, a little bit silly, um, almost a, 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 a exercise uh, in futility. However, I think we can probably do a year, maybe a year and a half or two years. So as we are working our way out of this pandemic and, and this is posting the first of, of January in 21, um, where do you see the industry? Uh, where do you see the industry in 22 or 23? Setting aside all the economic forecasts, because who knows what's going to happen there. Where, where do I see us going technology-wise? Where do I see us going deployment-wise? You still have to, because we're analog beings, you still have to do that installation. You still have to have that space. It's the, the, the shape and configuration of that space that's going to change. We, we saw the pendulum swing in architecture where reducing the amount of square footage that each employee had and then reducing their privacy and you know, squeezing them into less and less space or more people in the same amount of space and then open officing it. The research is coming back that that's not good. And the architectural community is learning that they need to look at things a little bit differently. What did COVID teach us? People still need connectivity. People still need that relationship, that, that interaction, et cetera. And, you know, Zoom teams, Google Meets, GoToMeeting doesn't totally fulfill that need, that human need. So we're going to see that evolve as well. Yes, businesses are going to start to look at allowing people to, you know, have a hybrid environment of, you know, work from home two days a week or three days a week. That will change what the communication and collaboration industry needs to do to support them. And, you know, we are going to see more and more technologies that are going to, you know, what was only ever in the boardroom is now going to be in the home. Yeah. And, you know, the form factor and the procurement model of those devices is going to change, which changes the income stream. And that's the economic aspect of it. But technology wise elsewhere, the cloud is going to become way more robust. We're going to start leveraging that more than we ever have. And there might end up resulting in processing occurring in the cloud that supports what we're doing. And, you know, Zoom is an excellent example of that. There's yeah. processing going on out there that is tying yours and my audio and video together that's streaming off of our computers, going somewhere and getting tied together. So, you know, that's going to move into the audio industry and, and, and what we're doing with signal management and media management just in, in audio. And you know, we're going to see it happening in, in the events industry where, Content is just going to get pushed right to your device as you're sitting in the seats when we get to go back to the Bulls game at the United Center. You know, that, that projection mapping is going to hit your phone, and there's going to be an interactive level to it because it's all about the experience then. You know, imagine your son if you could just you know, put his name onto the floor. Yeah. Yeah, he, he may, yeah. 
that would that would be something else. And you're and you're right because here's the thing: there there are two things that will happen once we do get to go back. Is the the tickets aren't going to go down; they very well may go up, right? Um, and if you haven't priced, you know, NBA or or um, NFL tickets, uh, NHL is still pretty reasonable. Um, but even baseball tickets, you know, it 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 takes quite a bit um, of of you know money to to get there. Those facilities and those teams have to give people a reason to spend that money, right? right? Uh, and that interactivity and that connection is 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 certainly up there uh, as possibility. So, uh, Mr. Natchez, again, congratulations on making the Hall of Fame for 2021. Uh, how do people connect with you or Biamp if they are inclined? Well, there's there's the email method. You know, how you know on the dinosaurs? So I should call out email, and that's bill.natchez at biamp.com. I've also you know dabble in the Twitterverse with, you know, at Bill underscore Natris that's out there as well. Uh, or, you know, just ask any of my friends and they'll help you connect. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, at least you can give me like your phone number or, you know, a snail mail address. You're not that old. Yeah. Well, I could. I, mean, <laughs> but, yes. I do still have a home address. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yes. You know, I just don't have a home phone anymore. So anyhow. Yep. All right, uh, Bill Natras, uh, class of 2021 SCN Hall of Fame. Uh, for us, for Aviation, go by our website, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. You'll find programs like this and a host of others, including interviews with the entire SCN Hall of Fame class of 2021. All that and more at aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. Aviation.tv.